Hello, welcome to York Street. We hope that this sermon will be an inspiring and impactful one, just what you need at this time. For any of our sermon-based studies, please head to our website at www.yorkstreet.com.au. So grab a cuppa, grab your notebook, whatever you need, and we hope that you enjoy the sermon. We're switching things around a little bit. We've gone, we've missed a week, so we're, we're going to swap a couple of weeks. So if you're doing the reading plan, keep doing the re- reading plan all the way through. Uh, but I'd started preparing this week, this message last week, so rather than switch it around and give Anthony a bit of a break, we've, we've done a bit of a swap. So um, we'll still finish the series on point, but we're just doing a swap. If you'd follow the reading plan, you're wondering why they're not quite aligning, that's why. Let's dive in. Anyone been to the beach? Hands up if you've been to the beach. Good, we do live on an island. Um, if you don't know what a beach looks like, head in any direction far enough, you'll find a beach. Uh, it's Australia, right? Probably not recently. If you've been to the beach recently, there's something pretty wrong with you. It's freezing. But um, that's a, or you die hard surfer. That's okay too. But as a few years ago, I went to the beach and they were the, the strongest waves I think I've ever experienced. They were the sort of waves where, um, like, when you'd sort of catch them, if you could catch them, you, you're just flying along at tremendous speed. If you're, you're bodyboarding or, or body surfing or whatever you want to do, a little boogie board thing, that thing was heaps fun. And, and there was this moment where I'm flying across the water, and I think I'm like, I'm it in a bit. I think I'm like, I am the greatest boogie boarder in the world. And all of a sudden, you're, you're like flying along the water, and then the back starts to go up, and, and usually if it's a normal wave, the back comes down, you're all good, but all of a sudden the back's, back's getting higher and higher, then, then something happens to the front of the board where it dips in, and something physically weird sort of happens to your body where, where you flipped up and you can see the bottom of your feet. And, as, and then you, you, you do this tumble, and, and you're all underwater, and then you, you sort of come up to get air, and what happens that second when you come up to get air? the next wave. And I get pummeled by the next wave. So, so this next wave, it hit me with such force, it knocked the air out of me. And now I'm sort of winded. I've been knocked around. I go to stand up and I, I think I'm standing up, but I've just put my legs out of the water. I'm fully upside down. I stand up, a third wave hits me. At this point, I'm starting to panic. And, and, and I stand up out of the water, full of, full of water, and there's, there's two sorts of coughs. I don't know if you, you know these coughs when you're at the beach. The first one's like, if you sip a little bit of coffee the wrong way and it goes down the wrong hole, it's like, <coughs> then there's the second cough, which sounds a little bit more like, uh, uh. well, this was the uh, kind of cough. I, I am full of water. I, I'm, I'm in a really bad way. Now, now what happens when you've, you've just come out of the water and you're recovering from that kind of swallowing too much water, you're panicky. Do you just stand there? Do you swim deeper? No, no, you go, you go to the beach, you find a spot of sand and you recover. You get out of the place that was doing you harm. You get out of, of where, where it was risky that was going to hit you with another wave. To pull this metaphor in, last week, last Sunday, we heard about how God has rescued us from this, this ocean of sin, this, this place that is doing us damage and has placed us on the safety of the beach, and we are saved. And because we're on the beach, we can't get hit by the waves. We are saved. We're guaranteed a place in heaven because of what Jesus did for us on the cross. But if you're like me, anytime we go to the beach, 
there's more than just the beach. There's some, tr some traditions. At lunchtime, you go and get fish and chips. It's important. It's, a, it's, it's like in principle, you've got to do that. You've got to get ice cream. We, well, I think we get ice cream everywhere. You go to Hall's Gap, you get ice cream. It's like ice cream staple. But, but it's, there's some routines. Now, if I was, if I was to, to go to the beach and get smashed by a wave and then get saved and am now on this spot of sand and then Yvette goes, Yvette was saying, let's go get fish and chips. It's like, nah, I'm safe. <laughs> Do you want to get ice cream? Nah, like something really wrong if you're not getting ice cream. That doesn't make sense, does it? You see, what we, we read when we, we read in Scripture in Romans, Paul actually says, once you're saved, there's more to it. Once you're saved, there's actually a life to be lived that you can live because you are saved. Once you're rescued from sin, there is more to the journey. So this morning, if you're, maybe you've been saved, you've made a decision to follow Jesus and you don't know what's next, maybe you've been realizing that, hey, I feel like I've been living in this little bubble and I don't know what step I should be doing in my faith. Or maybe I've been dipping my toe back in the sea of sin a little bit too much. Then today's message is going to speak to that. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, as we open up Scripture, would you help us to see how you've called us to live in light of salvation? Would you show us what our next step is so that we wouldn't just be content with being saved, as important as that is, but we would live a life in light of salvation. In your name we pray. Amen. Today we're looking at Romans 12. And we're looking at verse 1 in particular. We're going to touch on verse 2, but we're not going to get anywhere near the rest of it. Romans 12 is packed. And if you are reading through Romans 12 at some point in the next couple of weeks, and maybe you're looking for some alignment... Go back to verse 1 and 2. It'll align the heart of this incredible chapter of Scripture. Romans 12 and chapter 1 says this. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Today in this message, we're going to look at four key words that, that are pulled out of this passage. The first one is bodies. The second word is living. The third one is holy. And the fourth one is pleasing. Bodies, living, holy, and pleasing. So firstly, we're going to start with the word bodies. Offer your bodies. Now, if you sort of around my generation, you sort of start going, well, there's a little bit to offer, but it's not what it once was. You know, if you, if you attended the night service, some of our teenagers are like, of course God wants this. Like, who's not to want? Check out my abs. Blah, blah, blah. You know, like, it's like you know, some young people have a bit of confidence in their bodies, but you get to a certain age where you just go, it's not much to offer, or there's, there's more to offer than what there once was, you know? <laughs> And often when we think of the word bodies, we think of it through a filter of the way that our world looks at bodies. And that's not what God is getting to. God doesn't look at the outside, he looks at the inside. Actually, so much so, that to emphasize this point, 
We read in Scripture when God himself speaks about his son. In Isaiah chapter 53, 2b, uh, or not to be, no, 2b, um, the little b, if you ever read, did that go? No. Last service, it didn't work either. I thought it was going to, no. If you ever see a letter um, next to the number, an a or a b, essentially what it's saying is we're just picking up that verse in the first half, a, or the second half, b. And the idea is saying, hey, we're not going to read the full verse, but for integrity, we want you to know that there's more to this verse. But for this illustration, we're just taking a part of the verse. So there's more to this whole chapter in Isaiah. We're just picking this little part out when they're talking about the Messiah, Jesus. This is the prophet, what God said to the prophet about his son. Imagine this. Isaiah chapter 53, 2b to 3. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him. A father about his son. Imagine saying that to your kids as you're putting them to bed. To bed. There's no beauty about you. Nothing to attract you. Like, what? This is pretty harsh. Nothing in his, his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by mankind, a man suffering, of suffering and familiar with pain. You see, it wasn't that Jesus was incredibly good looking and had all these physical appearances on the ex, outside that drew people to him. It was this message of love from inside that drew him people to him. This message of hope, this message of, of grace, this good news of a God that loves us as we are in, a, in, a, in whatever shape or form we are. It was that message that made Jesus so attractive, not his appearance. And so when God says, I want your, your body, he's not talking about the physical body, he's actually talking about all of us. In Scripture, a number of times it says, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Everything you've got. Be all in for God. Like if, if you've got dreams and aspirations, give them to God. If you've got um, skills and abilities, give them to God. If you've got morals and character and integrity, give that stuff to God. If, if you've got thoughts and ideas, give everything you've got to God. Everything. Your lifestyle. God wants your, your attitude. God wants your sexuality. God wants your identity. He wants the whole lot. Give it all to God. Essentially, it's saying just be all in. You can't hold back. Don't hold back from God. Be all in. I don't know if you can remember, have you ever jumped into a water hole? I have done it it's a while back now. But when you do that... Usually you're a little bit younger and your, your filters aren't quite working in your brain, but you just commit, right? You just run and you do it. Now, nowadays, if you were to do it, it'd be like, I'm just going to hang on to this branch, and you wouldn't make it because you're hanging on to something. You know, nowadays I've got a half-bung leg. It'd be like, I've got this. You know, I'm not going to make it if I'm doing it with one leg. You've got to commit. You've got to be all in. You can't hold back anything. And with our body, when we read this word bodies, the question is, are you all in for God? I love the way that this verse is actually framed because it says this, in view of God's mercy, offer your bodies. This idea of being in view, because I'm a visual learner, right? I love the, the visual idea of this. If in view of God's mercy, if we're looking to the cross, in view of God's mercy, do this. 
while you're looking at how much God loves you, his grace, his mercy, his peace, his forgiveness, act this way. So just about, it was just over a week ago, I was in hospital with the spider bite. And on the, the Saturday night, they, the doctor came and saw me and said, we're going to clean the wound, which is medical terms for, ah! <laughs> it so much. It was so bad, right? And so in cleaning the wound, they said, we're going to give you some gas, some nitrous. It's like, ooh, ar, ar. that sounds cool. <laughs> and so they give me this gas, and they, they said, okay, now you're just going to suck on the, the little pipe thing, and we'll clean the wound. And they, I won't talk about what they did, other than it was potentially the worst pain I've ever had in my life. Horrific. And so it started with... Two, yeah, and then they started, I was going... Whoa, wow! The pain got so bad, I actually lost hearing for a moment. And I've been told that that means you're about to pass out by people in the medi- medical profession. And so it was this moment where their voices got really low and I couldn't hear them anymore. I opened my eye, I could see their mouths were moving. I was like, okay. And then as my hearing started to return, the doctor said, you can stop sucking on the pipe now. And I'm thinking, you stop sucking on the pipe. This, uh, this hurts. <laughs> and so then he would look away. And every time he'd look away, I'd be like, <laughs> then he'd look back. He'd look away. He'd look back. Once my hearing came fully back and I could hear everything, I realised that every time I sucked on this pipe, the whole machine went, made this weird noise. And so the doctor's kind of like, you can stop sucking, looks back and here I am like asleep. And then he turned away and looked back and here I am. (laughs) He turned away, what's going on with this machine? It's making weird noises all the time. It's every time the doctor looked at me, I didn't want to do the wrong thing. But I was still in a whole heap of pain, so I still wanted this... Nos. You see, when we look at God, when we see what he's done, when we're focused on him in view of the mercy that God has given us, in view of being saved from the ocean and being placed in this safety place of salvation, when we look at that, much like what Peter spoke about at, at communion, our response is out of gratitude. And of course we want to give ourselves to God because we're looking at him going, man, you gave everything for us. As a response, I want to be all in for you. It unpacks this a little bit more in the verse where it then goes on talking about this idea of a living sacrifice. What is a living sacrifice? See, the Old Testament, they would take an animal and they would say, well, because we've done the wrong thing, we deserve death, we can't be with God, but we can put an animal in our place, a sacrifice to forgive us for the wrong things we've done. So that animal would be killed. It's now a dead sacrifice. But what is it to be a living sacrifice? Well, a living sacrifice is someone or something that, that continues to live for something else. And so you take something that you love and you sacrifice it for something that you love more. You take something that you love and sacrifice it for something that you love more. For example, someone may love smoking, and they love it. Besides the addiction, it's their social group. It's it's their it's their release. It's their it makes them feel good. But it's it's a habit. It's 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 what they've done for a long time, and they love it. But they love their kids more, and so they do the horrendously hard thing 
of giving up this thing that they love, smoking, for something that they love more, their kids. People, when you start a relationship with, with your, your life partner, you know, you like being single, you like your independence, you like your freedom, and all of a sudden, you put the other person above that thing that you loved. You start making sacrifices. You start going to football games. What? You start doing the dishes. Because you love something more than you loved the other thing. And you sacrifice something. And there's something beautiful about when you let go of something that you love for something that you love more. And this is the idea of a living sacrifice. How do we, so how do we give up the thing that we love? Because when we're in this ocean of sin, sometimes it's fun. Sometimes we love some of those things that we've been doing, not realizing that they're going to kill us. How do we give those things up? Well, the beauty is in Scripture, in Romans chapter 12, verse 2, it starts to unpack this. It goes on throughout the rest of the chapter unpacking what the action point is. But it says this, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve God's will, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. We may not have realized, but for a number of weeks we've been getting a, an illustration for this in the form of some buckets. Um, and th- these have been strategically placed there for this message on this Sunday. And we may leave them up for a few more Sundays as well, just to reinforce this message. You see, to conform to something means that there is an external pressure forcing you to be something. So this plastic bowl has, when it's made, there's a, there's a, a die, there's something that sits underneath and something that sits on top. And either two things happen, either they put a, a blob of plastic and the two things press really hard to make this container conform to the pattern, or they get the two dies, put them together, and inject the plastic in different ways, and the pressure of that injection of plastic conforms the the object into it. So this, this container has been conformed by external pressure to become this incredible bowl that I will leave back here for us to think and look at for weeks and weeks to come. You see, in life, this is what happens. We, we, we get conformed by external pressure. And the world does this. The, the scripture says, do not conform to the pressures of this world. The world will say, you need to think this way. You need to act this way. You need to vote this way. And there's external pressures that push you into a mold. And often that mold isn't what God wants. Conforming comes from external pressure. Now, to transform, transform comes from the inside. So if you take a caterpillar and you see a little caterpillar crawling along a stick on a leaf, you can't put pressure on that caterpillar from external forces to turn it into a butterfly. We well, can put pressure on it, but it's just going to go splat. (laughs) You can't put an external pressure on that caterpillar to turn it into something else other than dead. (laughs) But a caterpillar on the inside transforms into the butterfly. From the inside out, 
the caterpillar has the, the capacity and is designed with something on the inside to be transformed out. And it says in, in, in Romans chapter 12, verse 2, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And so I don't know if you've ever met somebody that's just accepted Jesus for the first time. They've, they've been saved out of the sea of sin and they're there and all of a sudden they're in love with Jesus. I remember ch- chatting to a, a guy getting some parts from an automotive store and he said, oh, how's the, how's the shed going? How's the mechanic's shed going? I said, oh, I don't have a mechanic shed. I just do that on the side. I just help people out and fix their cars from time to time. He goes, oh, so what do you do for a living? So, well, I'm a Christian. He goes, oh, oh, cool. I'm an effing Christian too. I remember thinking, I don't know if I should hug him or slap him. Like, you, you can't, what? I've never heard those two words together. <laughs> like, ever. Like, you, you, what? I'm still wrestling with it now. You see, transformation starts at the inside and works its way out. So he, he may have been saved. And, and he's been transformed, but it hasn't actually got his vocabulary yet. <laughs> it hasn't actually got some of his morals and ethics, realizing that, that the Bible does say, let no unwholesome language come out of your mouth. That part hasn't quite been transformed yet. But it starts at the inside. It's not an external pressure. You can't force someone to, to be in the mold of Christianity. Christianity comes from the inside out. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. How do you renew your mind? Well, the rest of Romans 12, here's some little teaser. Start reading the rest of that this week. But it's the way that we use our gifts. It's the way that we act when we're all in for God. We start to be transformed and we live for God. We start putting the thing that we love aside for the God that we love more. In view of what God has done for us, we start to change our behavior. In view of of our understanding of grace and gratitude, we start to live a certain way. We start to make different choices. It then goes on to say, to do this, be transformed. Um, That's the second verse. As a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. The word holy means to be set apart. We've done that a few times. For those that are new to church, we've covered that a few for the past few years. Holy means simply, the word holy means to be set apart. The word is really simply translated. It's really difficult to do. If you read the Old Testament, God's people, Israel, was to be set apart. And to the extreme that they were to dress differently, they were to act differently, circumcisions, all a part of being set apart, be different, be different. Not because I want you to be weird and different, but because I want when people look at you to know that I am your God. So I want you to be set apart because I'm to be set apart. The Lord your God is holy. God is not a part of just, oh, I've got all these things in my life. I've got busyness. I've got kids. I've got work. I've got stuff in and I'm also a follower of God. It's like, no, no, no. God is to be set apart. God is bigger than His number one priority is, is who we are. We follow God first. Everything else comes second. Set apart. Holy. We're to offer our bodies as a living sacrifice, set apart for God and pleasing to Him. It goes on to say, This is your true and proper worship. This idea of, of worship goes along the lines of often we, we think we come to church on Sunday, we worship tomorrow night. 7th of August, 7 o'clock, is a worship night. 
and it's going to be great. But this is what we call corporate worship. Corporate means together. We worship together. And there's something powerful about that. There's something powerful about, about being with other people and lifting our voices to God. Because in song, we would say things that we usually wouldn't say. You know, like I, I wouldn't sit around a barbecue and talk to my mates going, love you, mate. I'll lift my voice. <laughs> you just don't do it. But I'll sing, I love you, Lord, and I'll lift my voice to worship you. Like I'll sing it, but I wouldn't say it. You know, like, like I wouldn't say it in, in just a conversation, but there's words that are put to song that I will sing with every fibre of my being in corporate worship. This is a different kind of worship that we're reading in Scripture. This is worship that, that we show God that we're all in for him by the way we live. So to rewind to last week, when we're saved, that comes first. That's what God did on the cross. We can't save ourselves. Jesus did that. And once you're saved, you're saved. Like, that's, this is awesome. We're not going to talk about backsliding and all that stuff today. We're just saying, once we accept Jesus, we are saved. We get to go to heaven. That's awesome. That's brilliant. When Jesus told us how to pray, he said, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So while we're saved, we get to go to heaven. What does heaven look like to bring to earth? What does it look like to see heaven on earth? What does it look like to have a mission to be able to live something out in a way of worshipping God each and every day that we can see heaven on earth? And this is what Romans chapter 12 is speaking about. Says, when we live for God, we get to bring heaven to earth because God is living through us. And the God of heaven starts to, to, to help us to see people rather than I see you conformed and I see you conformed, I see this group, I see this group. It's like I see God's children. I see that God loves everybody no matter what their political views are. I see that God loves everybody no matter what they, they identify their gender at or their sexuality. I see God's people the way that God sees them and God loves them. And all of a sudden we start to be transformed and things start to change and we start to see heaven, this language of love, this, the same way people saw Jesus is the same way we start to see others and the same way others start to see Jesus in us. So the questions are, firstly, when it comes to our bodies, are you all in for God with every element of your fibre and being? When it comes to living, are you being transformed by the renewing of your mind? Transformed from the inside out for God? Are you living a life that is holy, set apart for God and pleasing in that there is a life of worship that's being lived out as we look to Jesus, as we look to the cross, as we look to salvation? Are we living in view of his mercy? I'm going to ask that sometimes a spiritual... Sometimes the spiritual manifests in the physical, right? Sometimes when God changes us, we have to respond. I don't know if you've ever felt like you've been in worship and you've had to raise a hand. I remember I fought that for years because I was raised in a much more conservative church and I wanted to raise my hand. I remember just fighting God for ages. Like, I just want to raise my hand. I was like, yeah, I'm raising my hand. It is all the way up. You know, so self-conscious. You know, in, my, in my heart, I'm like, like yeah! <laughs> but in the moment, I was like, yeah, that's okay. It's all good. 
But sometimes there's something spiritual we have to show physically. I'm going to pray in a moment over these things that we've just read in this, this passage. And if you want to physically respond, I think the easiest one is just to stand up. So in the prayer, if you feel like you want to stand, you can stand. If, you, if you're not there, that's okay. Everyone's going to have their eyes closed because we're praying. It's a good thing about prayer. But in this prayer, I'm going to be praying about, are you on the beach? Saved, but you're not living for God. Do you feel like you need to offer something to God? Do you feel like maybe you're, you're dipping your toe back in the sea of sin? Maybe you're conforming to the pressure of the world rather than being transformed by the Spirit within. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, right in this moment I'm going to invite those that, that want to respond to this message to stand. Lord, maybe there is a sense that they haven't been living out their faith while they know that they are saved through the blood of Jesus Christ. They have been missing out on the journey that you've called them to by just standing on the beach. Lord, for those, I pray that have the courage to stand that may be conforming to the pressure of external things in this world. And Lord, I pray that they would realise that there's a transformative power through your spirit from the inside out to be transformed more and more into your image. Lord, for those that, that haven't offered all of themselves to you, maybe hanging on to some elements, maybe be lust, maybe guilt, maybe be pride. Lord, I pray that they would offer themselves their bodies to be all in for you. Lord, we asked, we ask you this morning to fill us with your spirit. Lord, help us not just to be happy with salvation, as important as that is, but may we be people of God that are led into action as we fix our eyes on you, as we look at the mercy you showed us. May we live in response to that each and every day. In your name we pray. Amen. If you would like prayer or to find our seven-based studies, please head to our website or check the description below for a link. If you enjoyed the video, feel free to share the video, like, subscribe, and hit the bell icon for updates of when we release new videos. Remember, life can be tough, so let's do it together.